0: So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio.
1: Welcome to the program on this, the Feast of the Nativity of Mary. What a day. And of course, from a global news standpoint, the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, one of the most extraordinary figures of our time. As God's providence would have it, Joseph Pierce, who was born and raised in the UK, now an American citizen, a prolific Catholic writer, scholar, will be with us on the program today. He will share reflections about Her Royal Highness, as tributes from around the world continue to pour in, especially on Twitter, all over. That is coming up on the show. My name is Brooke Taylor, in for Timmery. Welcome to Trending. Always delighted to be with you. And happy, happy birthday to Blessed Mother, the virgin who became a mother, the servant who became a queen. We rejoice and celebrate on this feast day. And just a lot of symbolism today as we look at, I saw even in the news over Buckingham Palace a double rainbow around the time that the death was announced of queen elizabeth we have of course the birthday of the queen our lady the nativity of mary and something else i haven't heard talked about but i think that it's significant today did you know that today is also the day that saint therese the little flower made her solemn vows her holy vows it was september 8 1890 and at that time nuns did not make temporary vows so one's novitiate ended with one set of permanent vows and that was today according to the custom of the carmel the professions were usually made on a feast day of mary because she is the, the patroness of the carmelite order so every september 8th the carmelites of lisieux had a custom they would Expose the altar of the choir, and you would see a small wax statuette, which I've seen a lot online. It is the newborn Mary, and you can see her swaddled, and there are wrappings around her feet, and that is where the nuns would venerate, but also it is where the profession would take place. So on that day, after mass, the community escorted Therese in procession to that chapter room on the second floor. She prostrated herself on the ground for that part of the ceremony, And over her heart, she wore the profession note. It's a little letter to Jesus expressing her desires. And during that ceremony, the prioress placed a crown of white roses on her head. And that night in her diary, I want to share just a snippet of what she wrote. The little flower said this, Mary's nativity in the morning of September eighth, I felt as though I were flooded with a river of peace, and it was in this peace which surpasses all understanding that I pronounced my holy vows. My union with Jesus was effected not in the midst of thunder and lightning, that is, in extraordinary graces, but in the bosom of a light breeze. What graces I begged for on that day. I really felt I was the queen, and so I profited from my title by delivering captives, by obtaining favors from the king for his ungrateful subjects. Finally, I wanted to deliver all souls from purgatory and convert all sinners. I offered myself to Jesus in order to accomplish His will perfectly in me, without creatures ever being able to place any obstacle in the way. And she goes on to talk about it was beautiful the day passed as a great joy, but also sad, because the most radiant day has a tomorrow. It was without sadness, she said, however, that I placed my crown at the Blessed Virgin's feet." And there's just so much mystical symbolism, I think, on a day like today. I went back and I was looking at the coronation, the ceremony in uh, 1953, June 2nd, of Her Majesty, and the prayers that happened with the crown jewels, and all that took place. And of course, we have today's Feast Day, so a lot to talk about, a lot to get to. But one of the aspects that I want to talk on about today's show with a big topic we have is education. And Our Lady has always been known. We're talking about St. Therese right now. She's been known by the Carmelite brothers and sisters as mother and teacher in the Spirit because she was the perfect disciple of Christ. She, still a mother, continuing to give God children and drawing them by her example to pursue perfect charity. And that is our theme today—teaching, learning—the principles of authentic Catholic pedagogy. What does that look like? How can we get back to that renaissance, that renewal? So, on the program today, two exceptional minds on that topic that will help us explore some of the challenges. We know there are many, as well as great hope for renewal. No matter what age or stage you are, I think this is a really important show because it's a topic that impacts everyone. Later in the show, the second half of the show, we'll talk to. Krista Thomas, she is from TAN Academy and an academic coach with TAN. She'll be with us right now, though. I am pleased to introduce internationally acclaimed author, Catholic scholar, Joseph Pierce, who also is a native of England, a writer. I know you know many of his books. We all do a favorite on the bookshelves. His bestsellers, we have The Quest for Shakespeare. Of course, he has books on Hilaire Belloc, C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, Solzhenitsyn, also the director of book publishing at the Augustine Institute. And this is timely with today's topic, Senior Instructor of Literature with Homeschool Connections, and grateful for his contributions. Welcome to the show, Joseph Pierce.
2: It's a joy to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, and I feel divine providence as well, the timing of it, because I do want to start with the news of the day. You are an Englishman. Queen Elizabeth growing up was your sovereign. And in light of the news of her passing, just wondered if you had any reflections?
2: Yes, I mean, uh, I've recently finished, or well, my most recent book is a history of of, of of Catholic England. Um, so I know something about the history of my of my nation. And for me, Queen Elizabeth II is the most virtuous monarch that England's had since the reign of Saint Edward the Confessor over a thousand years ago. So um, yeah, it, 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 a saint was the last person that was as virtuous as oh. the present queen. The fact that someone could be on the throne for seventy years and the gossip columnists and the gutter press can't find one single column inch uh, against her. Um, yeah, I'm not. She's not immaculate like the other queen that was celebrating the day. She's not spotless. But really, her life of service, you know, uh, is 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 astonishing. That you know, one of the one of the one of the um, her titles of the Pope, of course, the servant of the servants uh, of Christ. Well, in many respects, Queen Elizabeth II was the Second was the servant of her own people because she did devote her entire life in service to her responsibilities as monarch and uh, without ever doing anything that can cause scandal. And, and that really is an astonishing achievement in itself.
1: Well, and I think, too, in a world that seems to have gone mad, there is a sadness for many reasons, certainly. But I think she was represented to me one of the old guard of tradition of fidelity to duty. Winston Churchill being her first prime minister and just that being emblematic of the British World War Two motto that she lived, keep calm and carry on.
2: Yeah, and she served, for, served her country in the military during World War Two. Um, when she was ba- basically a very young woman at that point um and you know as, as i said that she it really isn't it really is the end of an era you're correct that she it, it embodies in some ways this older way of of seeing our lives as something that we owe uh, in uh in re- as a, something which is responsible for the for the common good for our country for our culture and for god. And there's no ever any question with Queen Elizabeth that she was uh, that she was a sovereign under God. And one very good thing about her, she began as a sort of low church Protestant who was somewhat hostile to Catholicism. But as uh, she grew uh, in wisdom, uh, she got much more friendly towards the Catholic faith. And I, her, her Christmas addresses, her annual. Uh, addressed to to, to the people of England and the Commonwealth on on, on Christmas morning, got more and more, uh, should we say, pro-Catholic. And I remember her um, waxing uh, very um, lyrical about uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, when she died. Um, And and she was also very, very fond of St. John Paul II. She met several of the popes, um, you know, so... So she, she was becoming, she's certainly moving in the right direction as regards, uh, as regards Christ as well as she, as she grew, uh, grew in age and wisdom.
1: Any thoughts as we look ahead? Of course, now we have what will be 10 days essentially of, of tradition and, and the funeral and now ushering in what will be King Charles. Any thoughts about that? Certainly they're very different personality and um, perhaps virtue wise and looking ahead what we might expect.
2: Well, you know, I don't want to prejudge King Charles III as as he now is. He's not crowned yet, of course. But you know, in in British tradition, the moment that the Queen died, that what they would have said is that the Queen is dead. Long live the King. So there's never a period when there is not a monarch. So he is the king. He just hasn't actually been crowned yet. Um, and I don't want to prejudge him. Uh, obviously, uh, he, he he has a hard act to follow. As I said, that the Queen Elizabeth II is probably the most virtuous monarch of uh, 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 in English king or queen for a thousand years. So I don't think it would even be fair to expect him to emulate the example of his mother. Sure. Um, but obviously, we can hope that he will be a, a good and dignified king and, and won't and won't. Um, Anything which brings uh, the monarchy into disrepute?
1: Well, appreciate your your perspective your reflections and it kind of deviated from our original theme today but i in a way think that it ties in because at the top of the show we talked about today's feast day it's the nativity of the blessed virgin mary her role is teacher but also that goes to the obligation of parents to transmit the faith reason logic how to think how to live and on a day like today we think about the eschatological um purpose and and the 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 last things so to speak and so that's really today's topic is education wanting to talk to you about that i know we're moving (laughs) in the wrong direction we see that it's painfully evident whether you look at the academic proficiency test just the secular relativistic tyranny and whether you are a parent whose child is in public school catholic school it increasingly feels like we're on an island. And like, we happy few, we band of brothers, we must resist somehow to restore what was lost. And I know that is your heart. And that is your mission to really reclaim and restore the beauty of education, classical education. And so I wondered as we begin, because you've written a lot about this, you are yourself a teacher, if you could take us into the landscape of American education today, what people maybe need to know?
2: yeah well the first thing i think that there, there, there are you're completely correct that the public school system is, is is not just broken but perverse and propagandistic and radical relativist um and you know I, I i think catholic parents have to seriously think about finding alternatives for their own children rather than the public school system but i do think there are some good grounds for for hope and and optimism and enthusiasm um, there is a whole range of new good Catholic classical academies being founded. The Chesterton Academies are springing up all across the country. The first one was founded about 15, about 10 years or so ago. And I don't know, there's 50 or so now, and new ones opening every year. Uh, in my own area, um, my my good friend Father Dwight Longenecker started a classical academy at Our Lady of the Rosary. And that's not only full now, they're having to build new buildings to actually meet the demand. So I think there's there's lots of of, of grounds for for optimism. But the key thing is, as regards Catholic education, is that a a Catholic education has to be um, uh, an education in the good, the true and the beautiful. That has to be at the core. And I actually, I've written this and I believe it, that when Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth and the life, he is saying, I am the good, the true and the beautiful. So the way way of goodness is love, uh, the way of reason is truth, and then the way of, beauty uh, is creation and creativity seeing the life in in the beauty of the cosmos and and in terms of art so basically a good education has to be in the humanities the humanities teach us about our own humanity that's the whole point and why they're so important but it also has to be teaching the good the twin, and the beautiful so virtue has to teach we have to be, teach our children to love uh, the way of goodness we have to teach them how to reason the way of truth Uh, and we have to teach them to see the beauty, the life of of the divine presence in creation. So in other words, to appreciate the goodness and beauty and truth of of God's own creation, that that nature, uh, etc., but also art, because we are made in the image of God, and our imagination is imagination, it's the imago dei in us. And we have to both appreciate art in terms of the visual arts, music and literature, uh, and architecture but also to practice the arts we should be learning not merely to listen to music but to play music not merely to, uh, to 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 uh, appreciate the visual arts but to paint and draw and not merely to to read good literature and good poetry but learn to write uh, good prose and good poetry that's what a good education should 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 uh, be about, be about.
1: Joseph Pierce is with us on Trending, international best-selling author, Catholic scholar, and the topic today is education. Across the board, the numbers bear it out, public, private, that we have hit a crisis point in terms of academic proficiency as well as morals, we might argue. Uh, Joseph, when you were on with me about a year ago, we had recorded a show about the cancel culture in Shakespeare, and you then, I remember, had quoted a G.K. Chesterton the coming peril facing civilization was standardization by a low standard. And we're seeing that coming peril is now upon us. That was a bit of a prophetic remark from Chesterton.
2: Yes, very much so. because He, he was saying that 100 years ago, uh, and he could see that the problem, the biggest problem was not communism. The biggest problem was not capitalism, not fascism. The biggest problem was the dumbing down of culture to a lowest common denominator of mediocrity. He uh, could see it coming, and um, um, my word, have we seen it come? Um, and so now, you know, we uh, we have. Uh, I, I'm horrified that, that that the people of college age cannot actually write a grammatical sentence. Um, there are things. Uh, let me give you one example. This is a little anecdote. Um, you know, the, the, uh, years ago, I took my mother when when she was alive um, on an Elvis pilgrimage, so to speak, um, and we <laughs> went to, to Elvis's birthplace in Tupelo, Mississippi. And above the bed in this two room shack where elvis was born was uh, Rudyard kipling's poem if which struck me as rather incongruous and so i so i asked the the, the lady there who was sort of the, the guide if you like I and mean, what why is this br- poem by a british poet um uh, if by kipling uh, you know above a bed in, in 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 the place where elvis was born and he said well this poem was 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 part of the curriculum at the schools when 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 elvis was a child here and they will all have learned that poem by heart. And that Mississippi was the poorest state in the Union. It's around the time of the Great Depression. So you've got these poverty-stricken children in Tupelo, Mississippi, learning Rudyard Kipling by heart. If you really want an indication anecdotally, of the Of the decline and fall of the education system, where people never read a poem at all, certainly couldn 't recite one um, uh, that, that, I think that really encompasses it
1: it's interesting because we over the summer had gone to the birthplace of Thomas Edison and there is a little paper in which as a boy as a young boy he wrote down his favorite poem which was brilliant his penmanship the fact that he had memorized this poem I can't recall it but it was so sophisticated that again even college students I don't know you know are exposed to this and I really want to just take a minute and, and thank you for what you do because you know in in our our own home we'll do like on a Friday night once a week as a family we will do a bonfire and this is you know again it's the monastery of the home so all of us can do that in different ways and even though our children are older and going at different you know directions we gather together we have a fire we pray the rosary and you have Joseph in crisis magazine a feature called in a nutshell so what we did is we read your in a nutshell the last one we read was your the wasteland poem by TS Eliot And so it's an opportunity for our children to have exposure to these beautiful literary classics that they might not get in the cloister of the home, learning together. It doesn't take long, but those things really can be embedded and stick with you. We have to take a break. The question is how do we rebuild and restore true Catholic pedagogy? We're talking about education. Joseph Pierce is with us. one 941 9149 is the number to call if you'd like to be a part of the conversation. My name is Brooke Taylor, in for back with more here on Relevant Radio.
0: Today's show is sponsored by Colby Academy. With more than 40 years of experience in Catholic home education, Colby Academy offers a blend of classical Catholic curriculum and the latest education technology. More info at relevantradio.com slash Colby. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
1: Oh, welcome back to the program. My name is Brooke Taylor. In for Timory, Joseph Pierce is with us. You can connect with him on his website, jpierce.co, J-P-E-A-R-C-E.co. On um, this Feast of the Nativity of Our Lady, and under many titles that she has, also teacher. We're talking about education. If you have anything you'd like to add or ask Joseph, the number is one 941 Nine one four nine, And also later on the show, Krista Thomas will be with us. She's the academic advisor, academic coach for TAN Books. So we're talking about the purpose of education. Where have we gone wrong? How can we get back to a renewal? Joseph, you have a fantastic article. I I sent it, shared it far and wide. You have many, but one is in the Imaginative Conservative called, What is Authentic Education? And I want to make this article available in our show notes because it's a must-read. But just taking a portion of the article, you say this, For the Christian, in contradistinction to the materialist, man is not simply homo sapien. He is not simply a naked ape or the most intelligent of the primates. He is a creature made in the image of God, in a manner that distinguishes him radically from the rest of the animals. A better name for man, that is given to him by the Greeks, who call man anthropos, meaning those who turn upwards. Unlike the other animals, which, governed by instinct, are unable to do so, man looks up at the heavens, seeking a purpose and meaning to life beyond the mere creature comforts of everyday life. Reminding ourselves of Oscar Wilde's epigram that we are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. We might see the gutter as the symbol of natural instinct, and the stars as the symbol of supernatural desire. Man looks up, the lesser creatures do not. Man gazes, the animal grazes." And then you go on to talk about the homo viator, the traveling man whose purpose is to get to heaven. And so what I hear from that is this an authentic education is one which teaches us that truth is real. It's objective and it can be found.
2: Yes, indeed. I mean, uh, the, uh, at the heart of uh, the, 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 if you want to tell the difference between a good education, and a bad education, you ask one of the most uh, famous questions that has ever been asked, uh, quid est veritas? what is truth and that question of course was asked by pontius Pilate. but the but the key thing actually in the first instance is not how you answer that question but how you ask it because the whole of the public school education system in this country asks the question es veritas what is truth as a question which is unanswerable uh, or, or there either is no truth or we can't know it and therefore there's no point asking the question because there's no way of finding the answer Whereas a good education is one that asks the question, quid est veritas, what is truth? As a question that not only needs to be asked, but also needs to be answered. And for Christians, it has been answered, because Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So a true education has to have Christ at the center. <laughs>
1: And, and you have the difference. There's a difference between a servile education that relies only on the means of life and the liberal education, which considers the ends of life, the whole person. And you can you can grow up and get your education and your degree. But are you a good person? And I think it goes, you know, that's the beauty of the classical education, which I know is your heart and the key, because it teaches not just calculations and figures, but how to be a saint.
2: Yes, and there's a great paradox here, you know, that, uh, that, 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 that one of the sort of paradoxes of the gospel, which strikes us as contradictory at first, is the first shall be last. Now, on a purely logical level, that's clearly not true. <laughs> but clearly, what what what, Shakespeare, what 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 Christ is saying here is something much deeper. The first shall be last means that to love is to sacrifice yourself for the other, for the beloved. So. To love is to put yourself last, or put yourself second, or last, never first. It's, love is never selfish. It's always selfless. But the irony is that the one who does that is actually happier than the one who doesn't. So this is the great paradox. that When you teach people virtue, and when they learn through an education that teaches them virtue, to live virtuously, they're actually happier than those people who have just been taught uh, to to, to uh, be proud, to think pride is a virtue, uh, self empowerment is a virtue, selfishness is a virtue. Those people are miserable, which is why not, the suicide rates are higher than ever. Drug drug abuse is higher than ever. That you know, being selfish does not make us happy. So you know, the whole the the whole irony is that the, uh, education in virtue uh, is also the path to happiness. <laughs>
1: It is, and we've gotten so far off track. So, and I think that it's important that we mention that we know it, we can see the decline now. You just talked about mental health and, and suicide, and it's happening younger and younger. Two, also, I heard uh, John on Morning Air this morning talking about furries in school. We do have that in our own local high school. Children who identify as animals, they're allowed to carry on this way, wearing you know battery operated cat tails to school and and dog leashes, and even in some Catholic schools, it's not uncommon to find examples of new age practices like mindfulness and and yoga infiltrating the curriculum. Again, I'm not pointing fingers, but it does happen and it is pervasive in some areas, but the poison really goes back much farther. I mean, it would be impossible in the time that we have to, to tell the tale of its unraveling from John Dewey to rationalism and enlightenment and Immanuel Kant and rationalism and all of that. So how then can we get back to, in this classical sense, virtue and what you're talking about? Is it only through homeschool? Is it possible for parents to make an impact in their local classic school and say, we need to incorporate more of the liberal arts, astronomy, rhetoric, music?
2: Well, I I think that what we need is uh, a grassroots resistance and reaction against the Public school system, which has become rotten, and I don't think, and it might be certain pockets of the country, maybe the more conservative parts of the country, where this is not true, but generally speaking, it's universally true that the public school system is corrupt. So what we need is for parents to take control of the education of their own children. Uh, that's what the Catholic Church teaches that the pri- the primary educators of children are the parents, and that's a responsibility which we should not uh, off offload on to strangers, especially strangers that are poisoning and polluting the minds of our children. So, you know, there are options. Parents can get together uh, and they can start classical academies, Catholic, liberal arts, classical academies. Or they can get they get homeschool. And what we do, for instance, we homeschool our children. uh, But but our daughter goes to a homeschool co-op on Fridays. uh, And those homeschool co-ops become hybrid schools. And sometimes homeschool co-ops be, turn into schools. So this is a good, e, e, you know, p- 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 perfectly organic way of parents getting involved, getting engaged, and finding the most practical way for for their own family. But also then working with their neighbours. We're supposed to do that, of course, with other Catholic families uh, and like-minded families to come together to uh, to to uh, maximise um, the the benefits of a good solid Catholic classical liberal arts education. Uh, it's a win-win. It's a, win for the, it's a win for the students, it's a win for the family, it's a win for the community.
1: Virtual, if you have, for example, a high schooler, because that can be a little bit more intimidating, but it's also a huge area right now of battleground for souls, because we know that the high schools, in many cases, certainly public, are are kind of lost in this battle. And you have Homeschool Connections. I know that has been a, a tremendous gift for families. And maybe you could share a little bit about that. I know you've done courses on Dante, the Iliad, the Odyssey, as a literary senior instructor there.
2: Yeah, I've taught for Homeschool Connections, probably I'm guessing, possibly for as, much, for as long as 10 years now, so i've lost track of all the courses i teach because of my various other responsibilities i have to limit myself to one course in the in the, the fall one in the spring and one in the summer so just teach three courses a year um but of course you know over say 10 years or so that, <laughs> that certainly builds up so i've taught many courses um and to me it's a labor of love because uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a believer in good solid catholic classical education homeschool connections are a great provider to homeschooling families um, that allows families to get the great teachers on all sorts of subjects in the uh, in their own homes, and really this is this is this is a great service. And Homeschool Connections are the one that, that I work for. There are others, and thanks be to God. I mean, we, the, the main the main concern would be if there was only one. We, if we have all our eggs in one basket. If that goes wrong, then we're in big trouble. So. Now, the fact that there are other people, other homeschool service providers, you, you, Colby Academy is sponsoring the program, TAN mm-hmm. Academy. But obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm a senior instructor at Homeschool Connections. They, they're great. Uh, do, I do uh, urge your listeners to check them out.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you for your time. I want to conclude there's a, a wonderful thought from Professor Ryan topping. I know uh, in his book he has, it's called The Case for Catholic Education. I think you even wrote an endorsement on the back, but I love this because I think we can all relate. He says for every age there is a school. The age of infancy, zero to seven is the school of play. The age of the schoolboy is seven to 15, and that is the school of nature. The age of the lover is 15 to 25, and that is the school of literature. The age of the soldier is 25 to 45, and that is the school of experience. The age of the governor is 45 to 65, and that is the school of suffering and the age of the counselor is 65 until the school of death. And so in every aspect, again, looking at man as homo viator, man's purpose is to get to heaven. You know, you see the beauty in this, but it can be so greatly accentuated and underscore by the beautiful liberal arts. And you know, this, um, grasping and and finding you know our imagination is so impoverished these days of the beauty the truth beauty and goodness that you said so if we want to connect with you further because i really think your library is a great place to start whether it's poetry you have a book that's i think something like you know poetry that all catholics should know i have it (laughs) and many others how can we connect with you
2: well, the, the, the best way of keeping up to date with what I'm doing uh, is to go to my personal website, which is jpearce.co, Pierce dot C-O, and you are correct, Poems Every Catholic Should Know is published by... Uh, but books and literature, What Every Catholic Should Know, is published by Ignatius Press. These are good places to start in our journey. And you're completely correct, and thanks so much for quoting Ryan Topping, that education is not something just for children, it's something for all of us. We're meant to be homo viato, we're meant to be on that journey towards heaven, and that means that, the, that life itself is a learning curve, and education doesn't end.
1: Hmm. Yes. Amen. Thank you. Uh, God bless you in your work and just of all you do to enrich the intellect and the soul and make it accessible to people. Just really grateful for that. Thank you so much. Again, your website is jpearce.co. That's J-P-E-A-R-C-E dot C-O. Thank you so much, Joseph Pierce.
2: My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Thank you. It's Brooke Taylor in for Timory. You are listening to Trending. We will be back with Krista Thomas. She is here, academic coach from TAN Academy to help us launch this renaissance of learning. I hope we'll be back. You're listening to Relevant Radio. Stay with us.
0: We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timmery on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
1: Have you received your copy of Patrick Madrid's newest book yet? Inquisition is out now. You can get it for free at relevantradio.com quiz. No shipping, no handling charges, 100% absolutely free. Expand your understanding from the very beginning tenets of our faith to tidbits that had Even our experts learning something new. That's what I love. And you can quiz each other. And the book has quite a handsome design, I must say. It's really nice. Get your copy of Inquisition by Patrick Madrid for a limited time. Again, the website is relevantradio.com. quiz. And welcome back to Trending on this Feast of the Nativity of Mary. My name is Brooke Taylor in for Timory. Big thank you to Joseph Pierce for joining me. Quite a powerful segment. A lot to cover today. We talked at the top of the show about Our Lady's birthday, the Feast of the Nativity of Mary. And also today was the day in 1890, September 8th, that St. Therese of Lisieux made her solemn profession of vows. We talked about the Carmelite Order's patron is Our Lady. And part of that title is teacher. So talking about education, uh, he also, as an Englishman, talked a little bit about Queen Elizabeth as well, sharing that it is the end of an era, just extolling her virtue, her fidelity. So for the next 10 days, we will see the country of England in mourning. And the next step as they do the the ceremonies and all that goes with that and uh transfer so that leads me to our next guest interestingly because as i'm thinking about the monarchy over the last year learning a lot about history the history of the monarchy and from a catholic perspective as an educator spending time homeschooling our youngest son gus we had last year registered for tan academy and the quality of the content blew me away far more than I expected. And so really excited now to be joined by academic coach for TAN Academy, Krista Thomas, here to help us launch into, we heard from Joseph Pierce, kind of the ideas and the concepts, now the tools of this renaissance of learning, I hope. Welcome to the show, Krista. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. It is likewise here, too. I want to it's hard because there's so many forms of education to cover. Naturally, I wanted to ask about homeschooling, though, because I know that's a big part of where you gear your material, because this is a movement. We saw it even before COVID, but certainly since the pandemic. Is that what you're seeing too? this this enormous wave of homeschool interest?
3: Absolutely. You know, it's inc- it's incredible just the amount of enrolled families that we've had this year alone at Santa Academy in our second year. But I think across the board with all, um, all the different organizations that are supporting homeschooling, and not just Catholic homeschooling, but Christian homeschooling, across the board, families are trying to return to a normal. And what I think is really a new normal is being able to educate your children at home where it's now seemingly more possible to do so. It's definitely mainstream. It's not something that people consider weird anymore. And I just think more people are jumping into this idea of, like, taking back control of education, of their faith life, and of the curriculum that's actually being taught in the home versus what is actually taught in a school system
1: and at least if you're looking at the public school system the new york times just came out with an article last week it says the pandemic erased two decades of progress in math and reading again the headline goes on to say this year for the first time since the national assessment of educational progress tests began tracking student achievement in the 1970s nine-year-olds lost ground in math and scores in reading fell by the largest margin in more than 30 years and covid notwithstanding It's not just the numeric standards that have dropped. You know, Joseph Pierce, we were talking about that earlier. It is certainly our moral standards as well and I think that intimidation factor for a lot of people is no longer there because you see our schools are failing and I know there are heroic educators out there so I don't want to just paint a broad brush stroke Mm -hmm, but this is the landscape it is a bit bleak we do need some revitalization and maybe some reformation so I guess maybe speak to those that are nervous about their own confidence in even having their kids focus and I don't know if I can I have boys I'll just say we of four boys and a girl, and I remember when we first began, and they've done a, a, a little variation of everything, the attention thing really was a challenge in me being strict enough, consistent enough, and hoping that they might be attentive enough.
3: Well, you know, that is so true, but we do live in a digital age, so whether your kids are going to a private or a public school or they're being homeschooled, the challenge for every parent is going to be, you know, can I even help my kid with their homework when they bring it home from school? And I think that we are now seeing that you can actually take that control, see whatever the end game is that you're looking for for your child, whether it is college, trade school, starting a business. But the real end game is family values, making it to heaven. You know, our mission is to help people become saints at TAN and TAN Academy. But the long and short of it is that people who are nervous – I just want to say, you know, step back off that ledge. You'll understand that what you're really doing is you're loving your children to eternity. That's exactly what you're really doing is you're taking back control and you're meeting your kids where they are. You can do better than what those standardized tests are showing. As a matter of fact, people are starting to wake up and saying, well, let's look at those standardized tests. Okay, what are those benchmarks that we were looking for? And the truth is, during covid We had a lot of our children, they may be nine now, but think where they were two, three years ago, wearing masks. They couldn't properly see the formation of the mouth of the teacher when they were going to school, when they were on Zoom. I mean, there's a lot of things there that happened that basically it it took all of us back. It took teachers back. Um, and, And I'm not surprised that the scores or even far worse than they've ever been. But we do have curricula out there that parents can feel very confident and comfortable teaching and and just spending time with their kids and getting all the academics they want in for that entire year, but actually having a joyful approach with their children and enjoying every day that they have with their kids. Um, I don't think that I would worry about the attention span. Usually when you homeschool, you're looking at 20 to 25 minutes per subject anyway then the child needs to get up, exercise, get a snack, then you're back at it again. So you can really tell the difference with a child when you're teaching them that 20, 25 minute mark of focusing, and then you can reset them again. You can't typically do that in an institutionalized setting. Yeah.
1: You say that the schoolhouse method is one way to teach children across kind of multiple grades and skill level. Can you describe what that looks like?
3: sure let's talk about that so a schoolhouse method you can kind of conjure up in your mind what it would have been like a hundred years ago maybe 150 years ago a little bit longer than that then that's where children who were in rural communities even if they were not rural but they would go to school for a set period of hours a day very short they had chores to do so you had that one room schoolhouse those kids that were learning were in all different age spectrums and abilities. That's what we're doing with homeschooling here at TAN Academy. We're showing families that even if you have a high schooler and you've got a sixth grader and a second grader, believe it or not, you can actually do religion together, you can do history together, and science together. So many different subjects that you can actually cut down into that time frame. Obviously, you're going to challenge up for your uh, high school student But by and large, your elementary and middle school kids can definitely learn together using one religion resource, one history resource, one science resource, and you're doing a read-aloud. That read-aloud revival was so important, and you get to understand the virtues and the vices of these characters, and go deep. Even if you feel like you're not educated in a collegiate standard or even high school, believe it or not, you're constantly learning and that's the idea behind homeschooling is that you graduate from tan academy learning about the whole person being fulfilled and learning about the good the true and beautiful but then you're able to go beyond high school you're still going to learn the quest to learn truth is important that's what we're really trying to get at with people you can do that using one resource for many of these subjects so that you're not spending a whole lot of money and you're saving time so you can do those fun things in the afternoon and the evening as a family
1: And just to encourage, because we just started this today, we uh, our 16-year-old and then our 10-year-old, we sat at the table and you have an Old Testament series and we're doing it together. So there is quite a span. I have a high schooler and one who's still in elementary school and yet we're reading that Old Testament together, as you said, 20 minutes at a time. And the way that it's written is so captivating and it works. So that's that schoolhouse house method. And the byproduct is, of course, the parent, grandparent, who's ever there as the educator, they are being, again, I think, just filled with this adventurous learning. I love history, you know, of course, for someone else, it might be math. (laughs) That's not me. But, you know, we were learning, I remember last year about Napoleon. And so you go on these rabbit trails. And with my son, I said, oh, and I showed him the song Waterloo by Abba, which, or Abba, (laughs) I think that, you know, that's something that was just kind of a fun thing because we had to go to band practice later in the day and he's listening to the song Waterloo. And so these are things as parents and as family, you can do enrichment, whether it's the lives of the saints and then a devotion that you can tie into it. You have a beautiful chapter in the book about the devotion to the sacred heart. And I did not learn that in my history books growing up. You have stories of the Battle of Vienna, Austria, and just the aspect of our faith and tradition, how hard fought it was. And there is something that does captivate the imagination, and also this nobility of our faith. So I have to say, you've done a tremendous job with the materials, with the
3: curriculum. Well, thank you. And the truth is, is that our Our group here at TAN and TAN Academy is that we have Philip Campbell. We've got Father Tim from Belmont Abbey College. We have so many talented educators. that They're they're wonderful writers. It brings history to life. It brings science to life. And it brings religion to life. I mean, we have videos that are engaging that these priests have a love for the Lord and are sharing with the kids after every unit. That's the goal is that you're sitting there learning and getting reengaged in a way that you didn't think education was possible because we can look back at growing up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s and think like history didn't come alive for me then. And the teacher did their best. They really did. But we live in a digital age and we have more access to wonderful writing and that's really what we're doing. We're pulling in all those pieces together to make it really fun when it can be fun and bringing in all of those wonderful uh, ideas that are being lost in the current system because, you know, we're rewriting history now, aren't we? We're not going back to learning about what, where the truth and the beauty and the goodness all came together with the monks back in the Middle Ages to bring about what right. we what is a classical education and what we should be teaching our children and what we ourselves should be re-exploring. Really great books. That's the key.
1: For sure. Krista Thomas is with us, uh, academic advisor, coach with TAN Academy. We just have a few more minutes. Cynthia is on the line from Rhode Island, though I want to make sure that we get to this call. Cynthia, you're with us. Are you
4: there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? I can. Your thoughts? My thoughts are, I just wanted to, I think that your program is wonderful, and I'm really enjoying it. And I just had a thought about the mindfulness Um, I think when people hear mindfulness, they feel as though they have to be in a yoga studio or they have to change their religion to Eastern religion, but I'd like to open up that word mindfulness to mean thoughtfulness, being still, stillness in prayer, and there are so many uh, verses from the Bible that we can take that mention the word stillness and being thoughtful. I just find a real danger when kids go to college or or, or when they're stressed out in school and they feel as though they have to sit and meditate and meditate on a candle or, like I said, something in in another religion, maybe Buddhism. But mindfulness can really be thoughtfulness, just being still, stilling the mind, and, and think about what else you do when you are being thoughtful because it's mindful when you're pick, when you're picking out a card and you're thinking about what do I need to write
1: Thank you. Thank you, Cynthia. Yeah, because earlier in the program, as we were talking about some of the things happening in schools, we talked about some Catholic schools introducing things like mindfulness, meditation, yoga, which is such a loss because anything that way that might have as their end enlightenment attained by various methods of quieting the mind is has a sense of kind of pantheistic hinduism and with the richness of our faith we don't want to empty our mind we want to fill our mind with our lord and with the graces and and the beauty of the sacraments and meditating for example on the rosary and so that's something for sure i think as a parent if you see a flyer or something to speak up about because that is easily um such a danger, such an error. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. We just have a few minutes left, but Krista Thomas with us from TAN Academy. Um, you have so many, be- well, obviously TAN is just an incredible repository of of rich <laughs> devotions and prayers, but any insights
3: on that? Well, I would say just in general, if if families are willing to take that next step and take control back to themselves on, you know, teaching their children family values and um, you know, staying involved in their parishes is really important, staying involved in their schools if that's what they choose, but you can get mindfulness by teaching the rosary to your children, and that is one of the things that most Catholic families are doing if they homeschool. They're spending time with their kids really teaching them about the faith. They actually learn mindfulness. They learn about meditation in a way that, you know, St. Teresa of Avila had and St. Teresa of Lisieux and these are the kinds of things that I think we're losing over time because we're, we live in a secular society that is really anti-Christian. But bringing that back home, there's so many examples of mindfulness uh, activities that you can do in your own home, even if you don't homeschool. So bring it back to the home. And I would just suggest that, um, you know, take a look at TAN Academy and look at some of the religion materials that we have, um, even if your kid's going through first confirmation or, or, or First Confirmation, excuse me, going through the Sacrament of Confirmation or First Holy Communion, communion. there's always something to come back to the Catholic faith, learn together as a family, and experience just a little taste of what that's like to see the beauty of your own family. And God created family. He gave us the Holy Family as models to emulate. We have such a wonderful opportunity to bring this into our homes, even if they are you know, school-bound kids.
1: That's right. And, you know, just, it transforms the home, it bonds the family, it dispenses grace, it it animates the heart when you have the truth, beauty, goodness, as as we talked about. And I know we have to wrap up, but what would be a good starting point for a parent, even a grandparent, who might want to get some enrichment? And again, that includes, so, you know,
3: Christian prayer
1: and the materials, the curriculum that go with TAN.
3: Well, you know, um, I love people. Uh, We all have wonderful journeys that we should be sharing and witnessing to one another. Um, And I would suggest that if you want to talk to me, I am an academic coach with TAN Academy. It doesn't have to be about enrollment with TAN Academy. We offer this 15-minute free complimentary coaching to grandparents, to single parents, to moms and dads, um, and we offer it so that they can talk out in that 15 minutes what might be holding them back or, you know, if, if what their concerns might be. That's what we're there for. We're helping families really just holding their hands through the whole journey. And this is what we do with families, like if even about transcripts and how you do that and, uh, you know, what do you do with your kids, you know, if you have an issue, um, you know, with a neighbor down the street. Like anything of that nature that's going to wrap around back into homeschooling, we're welcome to talk to you talk to us about. And you mm. can go to tanacademy.com to the uh, resources page, and you will see an opportunity to talk to myself or Lisa.
1: Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Krista Thomas. As we talk about rebuilding authentic Catholic principles of education, we pray for renewal. My name is Brooke Taylor, in for Timory today. Thank you for joining me. The Rosary Across America is next on this Feast of the Nativity of Our Lady. God bless you.